0: Well, greetings to everyone this morning. That's been a rich morning so far. Amen to the opening there and the children's lesson. am very blessed and I agree, children, you're very precious, very important. My, it's good to be back. We've been around the world since i was up here last halfway around and back again so i guess we could have went all the way around get down to it that's a long way over there don't let anyone tell you different 16 hours in that plane is a long time but it was very good it was very good thank you for your prayers and we thank the lord for a safe journey it was a blessing to be with Preston's and Rodney's. They, uh, they have a big work in, uh, ahead of them. The Arma people are very, very, very closed people. <clears throat> so I told him we will be praying that he would have a convert soon. I think the sooner the better. You know, they're, they all like him as long as he don't convert to Zarma. And so I think the sooner the better. Why not? Because I think either now or later, things could become difficult for them. They don't mind Preston being there, being a Christian. They don't mind. There's lots of other nationalities there. The few churches that are there, like you might have remembered when they were here, they shared with us that they uh, are mostly if not almost entirely made up of other nationalities there is very very few zarma people in the christian setting there where they're at and they're very close very tight just to give one example uh there was a man that preston had got to know that had an accident on his moto and broken his his uh his ankle and so he was tied up laid up there and so we went to visit with visit him and I told him before we went there, yeah, maybe we can pray for him. You know, I didn't really think about how this might all be. Of course, I didn't know the language. I hadn't even thought of that difficulty there. But, well, he said, yeah, we might. He said, but he said, the few people that I have prayed with, when I start praying, they start mumbling their Muslim prayers right away. They are so afraid of mm-hmm. him converting them. So he is really up against something. So they do need our prayers that there could be a convert. There's a young man. They call him uh, Blanc. He's very light. He's not dark and Blanc or something like that, I think, in French is white. Anyway, this young man is a very tender man, just like his complexion. Very sincere, very nice young man. I met him one time there, and... He wants to convert Preston to Islam. That's his goal. And he is very sincere, very dedicated, Very uh, has a grandma there that is also a very sincere Islam, very dedicated Muslim. But so there's kind of a conflict going on. I, I think we should pray that he would get converted to the Lord because he has no hope. He has no assurance And yeah, a lot could be said there. It was interesting to be in Ethiopia. We flew into Ethiopia and I thought, well, maybe one of these people that I'm seeing here was the eunuch's descendants. (laughs) Who knows? Anyway, I text Larry. I said, I'm going to send you a text from Ethiopia. I don't get that chance every day. So I send them a short text or a message, whatever, there. So yeah, and as you all know, they're up in the sub-Sahara there, and it's very, very, very dry and very hot. We uh, saw a thermometer through the top. It had 120 on, and it was up against. And uh, that was in the sun, of course. And it was often a hundred ten in in a shaded area. But you know, it didn't feel that much different than in Iowa at about ninety five degrees with about seventy five percent humidity. It was it was different. It was uh it was just dry and I'm sure if you would have got down to and, and worked hard you probably would have felt it, which I didn't do. And as usual, most of the men, most of the people, they just kind of take it easy from one to three. And then they'll go at it again for the heat of the day. Anyway, it was very enjoyable. We we managed, thanks to everyone here, we managed to totally surprise Rebecca with taking Grace along. That was a very fun, big disappointment. Someone was taking a picture, but... Didn't have it turned on or something went wrong. And we have no picture of this whole incident of the first meeting there. But there was a shriek and a, yeah, just, it was very good. So praise the Lord. That was a very good experience. And now we're back and plan to go on from here. <clears throat> All right. appreciated the message very much to you children. One thing about it, you don't stay children. Did you think about that? Are you glad? How many of you want to grow up? Let me see your hands. You all want to grow up? Why would you want to grow up if you are so blessed? Why would you want to grow up if you're what we're all supposed to be like? But you will grow up one day. And one day when everything we have been teaching you, are you listening, children? When all that we have been teaching you, trying to teach you, disciplining you, like one of, like darrell said, someday you will have to put all that into practice. And things will change. Someday you will go from this innocent little child that is so much like Jesus most of the time, And you will begin to have to make choices to be like Jesus, okay? Because something will change in you. You will be a youth, and you'll start knowing things and understanding things, and you will know what's, oh, I should not do this. And something in you will want to do this, and you should not do this, and you have to make choices then, and we won't spank you anymore for that. Because you're too big now, and... And we hope that you will have learned all those little lessons so that when you are a youth, you will always choose what's right. And that's my message this morning. I've been preaching on the home, and this morning, I'm going to preach to the youth, the next stage. Not just what I have to say is very applicable to all of us, but... I'm going to give it to the youth. Why don't we pray? Let's pray at this time. Lord, we thank you so much for the message this morning, and we thank you so much for our children, the little ones, the infants, uh, the children, the older children lord and then the youth those that are teenagers and up into their early 20s lord we thank you for each one of them lord we thank you for the contribution they bring to the fellowship here we thank you lord for their the things they have learned and 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 and, and begin to apply to their lives lord learning to walk with you god in a responsible adult fashion, Lord, God, we thank you for them, Lord. They are babes, perhaps in Christ, and they are learning to transition from milk to meat. God, and all this is such an important stage, and they're forming convictions, what they believe and what they would what they would uh, What they would resist when the temptation comes and Lord, all these things happen in the life of a youth as they form their convictions and as they they, uh, fail and as they win the victory sometimes, God, and as the battle rages and as they learn to surrender that will, God, all these things happen in youth. We thank you for them, Lord, and I pray for your blessing to be upon our youth, dear Lord Jesus. You were a youth one time and, and you know what it's like and you were about your father's business and yet you, it says you came home to Nazareth and you submitted yourself, Lord Jesus, to your parents, to Joseph and to Mary, and you worked for Joseph in the, in the, in the shop there and you were subject to them for quite a number of years. Lord, I speak this morning to that age group. Oh God, and I pray that we can look to you, dear Jesus, as an example. I pray the youth would look to you as an example this morning for their lives. Exceptional youth, extraordinary youth, growing in in stature and favor with God and man. That's what you want, dear God, for these youth in our church here, Lord, to grow in favor with God and with man. Lord, help me to preach and teach this lesson this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> As I often do when I am seeking the Lord for a message and not sure how to begin, I often go to Peter. Yes, that Peter that denied the Lord, I often go to his words and just look at them and ponder them, where he speaks to the elders and he exhorts them, who by this time is now a very mature elder himself and has walked with the Lord many years, and he says these words, I exhort you elders, who am an elder myself, putting it in my own words, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And so I was pondering that verse, Yesterday in my study, and I was just pondering the words, feed the flock of God. And my mind went to you all here, not just the youth, but I, I came up here and I prayed for all of you by name or at least by family. That I would be able to feed the flock of God this morning. And I was in my studies taken to John 21 there where one of the last words of Jesus to Peter, he does that, has that little conversation with him just before he was caught up into heaven and he said, Peter, do you love me three times? And, and Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And I knew that he used the different words for love. But I found out yesterday he also used different words for feed. He used a different Greek word those times two times he used the same word one time he used a different word one time when he said peter feed my lambs it means lead them out in the pasture and give them good food when he says the second time peter feed my sheep it means be a superintendent know your sheep tend them like a shepherd know them deeply know them by name Watch over them. Take care for them. It's much deeper than just leading them into the pasture. You watch how they eat. You watch how they digest the food they have eaten. Big difference, Brother Larry, isn't it? And so this is the calling. This is the the responsibility that I have this morning to feed not only the youth, but specifically the youth, but all of us. And and I have a burden this morning that we see it that way that even though I'm a man and you have to deal with my failures and I regret where I fall short of being the shepherd that I should be and and even more so want to be of really knowing each of you more deeply in what, what what your needs are and how to pray effectively and how to how to help you effectively. God did that in my heart a little bit yesterday but this morning, I'm going to try to stick with the word of God and the words that I'm giving you, young people, I'm hoping that they will be the word of the Lord and they will be food for your soul. You sit here this morning, an eternal being with a living soul of God inside of you, and I have the job, the privilege the the blessing of feeding you heavenly food this morning and you have the job and the responsibility to take that in and to digest it so i ask you dear young people tune in tune in you know on a radio maybe not so more now nowadays when they have since they have digital but Longer ago, and I'm not advocating that we listen to the radio, I barely do ever, but longer ago, you had that dial that went, you know, back and forth, and you could hear when you're getting close to the station, when you're getting close to the frequency, you were drifting out of one, and you would get into the other, and in that area in there in the middle was confusion. You'd have that garble of both stations, both frequency coming in, and you'd turn the dial till it was clear, and you were tuned in. And you could clearly hear what the man was saying or the song that was playing. And so I ask you this morning, tune in to not just what I'm saying, but what God's saying. It is food for your soul. I know we hear a lot of messages, so don't get lax this morning. And so that's one one admonition right up front that you need to tune in. But, you know, as we would drive down the road and make a turn, you would fade out. And you have to go back. Once you were tuned in in the beginning right on, you would turn and go a different direction. It would start crackling again. And you, you have to turn it back a little bit. And you were tuned in again. So as we go through the message this morning, stay tuned in. Stay connected to with what God is saying to you. Because I believe God is speaking to us this morning. That was a powerful, powerful opening message especially in light of knowing what I had on my heart. So I'm going to take you out of your childhood into your youthhood to where you have a responsibility to, to, to take care of your soul. We feed you. We give the food as clear as we can. There may be other preachers that can preach it a better, that can preach the gospel. Like I'm quoting someone now. I just read it recently. Another preacher may be able to preach the gospel better than I can, but he cannot preach a better gospel. So bear with me. The title to the message is this, Youth with a Heavenly Disposition. Now that may may be a, a word that needs a bit of definition, and I'll define it for you. If you look in Webster's Dictionary, it says it is disposition means an inclination, propensity, the temper or frame of mind as directed to a particular object. So going back now and saying, uh, rephrasing the title, youth with a heavenly inclination, you are inclined heavenward. Understand you, you might remember Randall's illustration on the onset of Bible school about the rubber band. How many of you youth remember that? Raise your hand. Yeah. You just spring back. You know, you have to bring your mind down to your chores, bring your mind down to what you're doing. but when it's free, it goes back. That's what I'm talking about. Youth with a heavenly disposition. A heavenly inclination. The temper or frame of mind as directed to a particular object. It's heaven. It's spiritual things. It's things about eternity that my mind goes back to. And so the particular objects we will be talking about will be things of the kingdom of God. Things of heaven. Things of substance and satisfaction. Things of eternity. With eternal value. Oh for youth. That are inclined. That way. And I'm not saying you're not. But I want to stir you up. I want to encourage you. I want to move you. That way. All of us. I believe need to be encouraged in that way. The first point I'd like to make this morning, point number one is a heavenly or spiritual appetite. Do you have a heavenly or spiritual appetite? What do I mean? Let me explain by using Jesus' own words. Jesus said it is very Famous message, famous sermon there on the mount. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That does not mean that, you know, you eat without thinking. You just, you know, you have, you just do the norm. You just go and, and you eat and, and, and you go on with life. No, it's deeper than that. This, this disposition of having a, a spiritual appetite needs a little broader basis than just that. Let's study that word for a minute. Blessed are they which do hunger. Blessed. It means supremely blessed, fortunate, well off. If you have a hunger in your heart for the word of God, for the things of God, for heaven, for eternity, you are blessed. Indeed, very blessed. You're very fortunate. You're very well off. There are people that have no appetite for spiritual things. Zero. They have no clue. They are. There are people. Maybe not so many in our settings. Uh, in our settings, are in that. Are in that. Group. But there may be some that have just a little hunger for spiritual things. But that's not what this verse is talking about. The hunger, the Greek word is pineo, and it's where we get our word pine from. Blessed are they that pine. You know, when someone is pining away, he is hungry. He is dying. It is beginning to eat the very, very, his very body. He is pining away. He's beginning to lose weight. It has that pinching feeling in the stomach, It means to famish, to crave. So now, supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off are those who have a hunger that they can feel for righteousness. That's what the Word of God says. What's more, blessed are they which do hunger, and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled means to gorge. To have a supply of food in abundance. That's what it means to have a spiritual appetite. Where do you find yourself at this morning? I want you to answer that question very seriously and very deeply in your own heart. And if, it's, if you can say, yes, I know... I do crave. God bless you. If you say I'm not sure, then please take it very serious. Take it very serious and do something about it, which we'll talk about that more later. If you're not sure that you have a spiritual appetite that is sat- satisfactory, then you should do something about it. All of us, for that matter. We're talking about young people with a heavenly disposition. <clears throat> And, you know, children grow up to be youth and youth grow up to be adu- a, a full grown adult, older adults. And then so we have men and women of God that we can think of. But they, I believe it started very young in order to be a man or a woman that has a heavenly or spiritual appetite. I had for, to think, for example, of Job. Job. Maybe I should have picked a young person like, 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 uh, Joseph, but I thought of Job. Not sure why. You know, Job from the land of Uz. He was now an old man, but I don't think it started when he was old. Job had this testimony that he was perfect and upright, and he feared God, and he turned away, he eschewed evil. That was Job's testimony. We all like Job. We all marvel at the severe testings that he endured. And we all hope that if we were to be put to the test, we would come out at the same place. I'm sure we do. So where did Job get his strength? Where did he get it from? We might even be tempted to think of Job the way Satan thought of Job. Well, Job was one of those super... Spiritual persons that I will never measure up to. We may think like that. You know, Satan came and said, Yeah, he's that way because you've got him all hedged in. That's why he's that way. And we may think like that. But that was not true. God said, "Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's not why I can show Job off. So what was Job's key to his great success? I would say that somewhere in Job's life, and I would venture to say that probably in his youth, Job stepped back in his youth, and he looked at life, and he said, what am I going to do with my life? Where do I want to come out at in the end? Job, I believe, looked at the big picture, and this is where youth oftentimes fail. Youth tend to live for the moment the fun, the right now, but Job and every other godly person needs to step back and look at the big picture. Where do I want to come out? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? What kind of father do I want to be to my my children? What kind of mother do I want to be to my children? And and right then and there is where you start To become a young person after the heart of God. To have a disposition after the things of God. Because you know that you need that to make it through. And I believe Job did that somewhere in his life. I believe he he remembered his creator before the evil days drew nigh to him. And Job was a very godly man. He had a godly testimony. He had a heavenly disposition. And so from then on, his choices, his decisions, his actions were based on the word of God. Are you tuned in, young people? Please. His choices, his decisions, his actions were based on the word of God. Job acquired a taste, an appetite for heavenly things. And he wanted a heavenly disposition, so he had to have some heavenly words. He had to have some heavenly principles in his life to have a heavenly disposition. And for example, I'll just give you a few. There's many in the Bible. If you want to have a heavenly disposition, the word of God says you get up early and you you seek the Lord. You get out of your bed, you seek God. That is a clear principle in the Bible And it's especially good for young people to to learn that. That is just one little principle that I'll give you. But there are many, many, many more. All our choices, all our decisions, all our actions need to be based on the word or a principle of God. Job, and I quote from his words. This was, this, meant, this was so important to Job that he said these words. And this is what drew me to Job in the first place. He said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Okay? Talking about a heavenly appetite. Young people, Job had breakfast before he had breakfast. Job got up before breakfast. And he ate spiritual food before he fed his body. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job twenty three, twelve. <clears throat> you see Job's spiritual appetite. There is the secret to Job's godly life. Amen there is the secret to job's godly life job was a man of prayer you want to be a man of prayer someday young men job was a man of prayer we have the account that on all of his children's day whatever that was maybe he had a special day every month maybe it was their birthday maybe it was a day of every week that each child had a day job prayed for each of his children There is a key to his victory over that awful testing. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I ask you the question again, and please answer it deeply in your own heart. Do you have a heavenly appetite? Do you hunger and thirst For righteousness david said in psalms 1910 more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb psalms 119 103 how sweet are thy words unto my taste yea sweeter than honey to my mouth for jeremiah it was this way thy words were found and i did eat them And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. John, Jesus said in John, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, let me share a little wisdom with you. I've learned this in, in Africa you know, it may take a little bit of time to acquire a taste for some things. (laughs) You know, their food was not all that great if they cooked African, and I could easily do without it. But if you live in Africa, that's what you eat. That's what you need to sustain yourself. And so you better like it. And you know what? You will like it. Prestons like it. They like it a lot. So while you may, you know, as you transition from turning away from all the other things that you can take in, all the books, all the other info, all the other voices, and you tune those out and you dial that knob and you listen to the heart and spirit of God, it may, first of all, be a little scratchy and a little hard to understand, but I promise you, it will get sweeter and it will get better and it will get more satisfying if you stay tuned. Amen, brothers? Amen. It is is of utmost importance that you do that. My dearly beloved, if I can just say this one thing, if you check your inbox before you check God's book, it is not good. In the morning, what do you first turn to, your inbox or God's book? I just challenge you with that. Where are we taking our food from? And you know, and I know I've done it, if you check your inbox and you got a filter, And you gotta get all of that out when you wanna take the Word of God in, right? So acquire a taste for it. It may taste strange at first. But you press in because you've stepped back and you looked at it and you know this is what you need. You know that the that the word from the world will leave you hungry. It will rob you. It will take you away from God. You know that in your mind. But you got to make a decision. I'm going to go this way because I know this will take me closer to God. This will give me a heavenly disposition. This will make my mind go heaven, heavenward right away. You make that decision, you step back, you look at it and you make a decision. And I promise you, you will acquire a taste that you will easily turn to this book and you will love it and you will devour it and you will read it. And God will give you of words. I'll just share this testimony. I don't know really how it applies to this, but I was to this point right here. It kind of does, but I was reading Well, actually, in my daily reading, I I have a read-through-the-Bible plan in a year. And through Bible school here, I fell behind dreadfully. I was about, I don't know, 40 chapters behind. I was way behind because you have three, four chapters a day. And and so I decided when I go to Africa on that plane, I'm going to catch up. Good time to read. And so I did, and then, then I took, well, yeah, I didn't get all caught up on the way over. But over there, I was sitting reading. And so God speaks to you and, and you see things and you, it's like, ah, what does he mean here? And so I was reading in, I believe it was Deuteronomy. And God was telling them the curses that will come upon them if they disobey him. And I'm sitting in the Ger, where everything is dry and I'm in the desert and it's hot and it's brown and to the natural eye, to someone from Iowa, it's not all that pretty. I mean, where's the green life? It's very, very dry, very hot, very barren. You have shrubs. You have no nice grass. And I'm reading and I come across this verse that says that if they disobey God, he will command the clouds to drop dust on them. And I'm like, oh, that happens here. That happens here literally. I mean, they have dust storms, and everything is dusty. And I don't know. I know the Islam has turned their back on God, and I don't know how that all connects. But I'm just saying that stood out to me. I was there. They have dust storms. It's dry. It's barren. I think you can be a Christian there. I think you can have the smile of God on your life there. But... It made a connection to me as I was reading. And so that happens, and it's exciting. And you think about it, and you make application. You do it because you know it's good for you. You'll actually begin to like it. You'll actually get to like it. And beyond that, you'll eventually be famished without it. You will, Lord, it's been two days and I haven't read the Bible. That's where you want to go. Okay, a heavenly appetite. Do you have one? Do you have a little one? If you do, I want to pour water on it. If you have a big one, I want to blow on it and just go for it. Acquire a heavenly appetite. You will know it, others will know it, it will show when you have it. Number two, a heavenly mindedness or spiritual mindedness. We all know this morning, we sit here and we all know that Colossians 3 says that if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. We know that. That word affection there means thoughts or mind. At least part of the definition is that. So we know that verse. But how is it? Are we spiritually minded? Are we spiritually minded? How are we brethren? How are we fathers and mothers? Are we spiritually minded? Are our affections on things above? It means to exercise a mind that is entertain and have a sediment or opinion by implication to be mentally disposed, more or less in a certain direction. We're heavily minded. So the question is: how does one go about to accomplish that? And you can turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I see people are struggling with sleep. So why don't we all rise to our feet and we'll read these verses together. How do we go about to be heavenly minded? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5. All together. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're saying we want to have a heavenly mindset. How do we go about it? Thoughts are powerful. Thoughts are difficult. Thoughts come so fast, so many. Can we actually control them? Can we actually control our thoughts? Well, according to this passage, we have a responsibility to try. I'll say it that way. I know it's hard. I know they're relentless. I know they come in droves, if you will, sometimes. But God lays the responsibility at our feet. He didn't take it all away at conversion that everything is all good, but no, we have bad thoughts that we need to deal with. So first of all, we see that carnal thoughts are common to all men. For though we walk in the flesh, as long as we're in the flesh, we'll have problems with carnal thoughts. We walk in the flesh The difference is how we war against them. Okay? We do not trust in the arm of flesh. While there are definitely some things we can do, some habits that we need to form, we need the Holy Spirit. Amen, Brother Larry? We need the Holy Spirit to overcome our thought life or the pattern of our thought life. We war not after the flesh. We do not trust in the arm of flesh. We see that it says very clearly in parentheses there, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And I believe that can refer to either the Holy Spirit or also to the word of God. Like we heard this morning by Brother Luke, we refer back to we we deal with them by the word of God. And we say it is written. Okay, it is written. I should be should not be thinking like this. God, take this thought away from me. This is an evil thought. This is an immoral thought. I shouldn't have immoral thoughts in my mind. Take it away, God, in Jesus' name. Uh, the, the, the Bible says I should have my mind renewed. I should have my mind on things above. That's how we war wrong thought. That's how we take them captive. Amen, Laverne? That's how you do? That's how we take them captive. And you do that, and your thought process actually begin maybe to change a little bit. You have more victory over them. We take responsibility for our thoughts. It says, for we, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And so we have to discern, is this something that I'm imagining, or is it true? Very, very important. We reject, we 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 push away wrong thoughts, vain imaginations, immoral thoughts, evil thoughts. We reject them. Lies. Satan is the father of lies. We we discern if it's true or not, and we we push the false away, the lies, and we keep. We hold on to the truth. And we retain the heavenly thoughts. We retain the heavenly thoughts. So go with me to learn a few steps to success at this point to Philippians chapter 2. Go with me there. Philippians chapter 2. Steps to success in our thought life. Okay, thus saith the Lord, young people this morning. This is food for your souls. This is what the Lord gave me to give to you. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are you tuned in to me? No other static. Let This mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But we know He had it right. We know that, don't we? He had it right. Jesus had it right. He walked with His Father. He heard from His Father. He rejected wrong thoughts goes on to say, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made into the likeness of men. So maybe his thoughts could have went something like this. You know what? I'm the son of God. This shouldn't be happening to me. I'm Jesus. I'm God. Look what they're doing to me. They're mocking me. They're not listening to my words. They're rejecting my words. He could have thought those thoughts, but he didn't. He became a servant. He became a servant. So that was his mind to become a servant. He made himself of no reputation. This isn't fair. This isn't happening to to my friend. Why is it happening to me? He made himself of no reputation Verse 8, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What a cruel, cruel death he died. So there is a step to your success is to put on the mind of Christ. Go to 1 Peter 4. Look at another one. 1 Peter chapter 4. Or another step. We'll hurry on here so we won't be too late. First Peter 4, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the, with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. We see there a beautiful surrender to the lordship of Jesus and to the will of God. God, I'm yours. My body is yours. I want to serve you. Whatever you bring into my life, I understand goes through your filter. And I want to say amen to thy will. Thy will be done, not mine. You will begin to have a heavenly mind if you do that. And lastly, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Verse 3. <clears throat> and this you should do today, tonight, for consider him, ponder the Lord, how that he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus said, if they've done this to me, they will surely do it to you in my own words. So don't be surprised that you will experience some suffering, but that is all part of it. I hope you're still with me. And I have a question for you. How important is it to be heavenly minded? How important is it? Turn with me to Romans 8. And I'll answer that question. Romans chapter 8. Is this optional? Is this optional? This matter of being heavenly minded for the Christian. Romans 8 verse 6. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Is it optional? Look at verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Sorry. I don't think I started reading in verse 6. That was the one that I wondered. Did I read verse 6? I don't think I did. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Is it optional? Not really. Not really. You need to strive for this till you have that rubber band effect. We need to strive for it. To a greater or lesser degree. That we need. It's a matter of life or death. It really is. It's a matter of being at enmity with God or pleasing God. It's serious. It's a matter of having the spirit of God or not having the spirit of God. Galatians says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So it's it's if you want a spiritual walk, it's non-optional. You have to learn this. You have to get it one way or another. Lastly, my last point, heavenly exercise, heavenly or spiritual exercise. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 6. Remember I said this morning that I'm here to feed your souls. Look at verse 6 here. Paul tells Timothy, If thou put the brethren and sisters in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. So I think I stand on good ground this morning to teach you these things. This is very clear from the Word of God. Remember, I'm feeding your souls, your souls. I'm giving you heavenly food to make the race. I'm showing you how to make it through, how to have a heavenly disposition here on the earth, how to be heavenly minded. These are God's words, not mine. This word exercise is very interesting. It's the Greek word from which we get our word gymnasium from gym you know gyms that's where we get this word it's gymnasium is the greek word for exercise and i had to think so what happens at a gym what happens at a gym there's discipline there people discipline themselves that go there their time how they eat how they sleep etc when they go to the gym to work out There's workout there to the point of sweat and fatigueness at the gym. There at the gym, excess calories are burned off at the gym when they do exercise. There at the gym, while they burn off excess calories, they gain strength. Their muscles are growing. Their leg muscles are growing. They're getting stronger at the gym. Or the exercise. And they have something in mind. When they go to the gym. Maybe they're at the gym. Maybe they're working out. Because they're ready to run a marathon. And they want to win. And they want the trophy. There is motivation usually at the gym. So now let's apply all that. To your spiritual race. Can we? Are you tuned in? Apply all that to your spiritual race, young men. How much discipline do you have with your time, your eating, your sleeping, etc.? Answer that question in your heart. You want a heavenly disposition? You want people to look at you and say, Now, there, I see Jesus coming out of him. This is how you get it. You have to practice, you have to discipline, you have to exercise. It don't come to you on a silver platter. I guarantee you have to work out sometimes to the point of fatigueness. Jesus told his disciples, can you not pray with me one hour? They were tired, falling asleep. There at the gym, the spiritual gym, we burn off the things we don't need. We let him go. We lose them at the gym, the spiritual gym. And oh, there at the gym, we gain things that we need. We are in a race. We're showing to the world what a real Christian is like, or at least we should. How's our love tank? How's our joy tank? Do you need some filling of that? Maybe you need to go to the spiritual gym. How much young people and all of us are we willing to work out for the kingdom? Hmm? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Not having to turn the Bible. Say, okay, now let me quickly look what it says here. I have to do that way too often, and I'm sorry. But there's the challenge. Do we see there are things we need to burn off of our lives in order to win the race? Do we see there are things we need to practice and learn in order to win the race? Do you see that this morning? Are you tuned in? Are you answering? Are you asking your heart these questions? Do we see? Have we stepped back and looked at the comparison of the earthly trophy versus the heavenly one? Have you gazed at that one? To have the applause of men or be accepted by men or be accepted by God in the end? Look at them. Compare them. Study them. Think about it. And do whatever it takes to get there. For our last scripture, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 9. Youth... With a spiritual or heavenly disposition. 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 24. You all know this passage. But let me read it. Know ye not that they which run in a race. Run all but one receiveth the prize. So Run. That ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate or disciplined in all things. How are you in your life? Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible one. Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. He had looked at it. He had counted the cost. He saw it clearly. I know where I'm going. I know whom I have believed, Paul said. Amen? Not as uncertainty. Young people with a heavenly disposition, there's no uncertainty about them. They know where they're going. They know whom they have believed. They have a testimony, perhaps, if you ask them. Oh, they don't know everything about the Bible. None would expect that. But you have made a resolve. There's something settled about you. You know where you're going. That's what God wants. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep my body, I keep under my body. And that phrase has the idea of a boxer. He buffets his own body. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. No, you won't have it your way. Ladies, bring your bodies under. You know what pleases God. You know it. You exercise yourself there. Young men, you know what pleases God. Young men like their strength. God wants you to be strong on the inside. Overcoming the wicked one with the word of God. Keep your body under and bring it into subjection. Look at the sad ending of this verse. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I won't make it. Wow. But you can make it. Amen. Amen, Fathers, you can make it. You can make it. Yes, you can. You had the teaching. You were a child. You got training. At least some, none of us did it. All right, but you got training. You can make it. If you put your heart and mind to it, If you seek for it, if you hunger and thirst for it, you can make it. It's not going to come to you on a silver platter. You're going to have to hunger and thirst for it. You can make it. You can have a spiritual mind. Yes, you can. If you exercise yourself, if you think about Christ, you will not tell a off color joke if your mind is set on Jesus. I don't think so. You won't say half the truth if your mind is set on Jesus. Young girls, you won't go all down that boyfriend road if your mind is set on Jesus. You want to be godly if your mind is set on Jesus. You can do it. I know you can. And dearly beloved, let me finish with this. The difference between the prize is out of this world. The prize of this world or the prize the gift the reward of God it's out of this world it will be worth it all let's rise right now and sing that song it will be worth it all can we do that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus life's trials will seem so small When we see Christ one glimpse of history. time turn the volume up a little it will be worth it all when we see jesus life's trials will seem so small when we see christ amen one glimpse of his dear faith.